0: I'm Shamari Reed. Welcome to Water for Teachers, a Heinemann podcast focused on engaging with the hearts and the humanity of those who teach. One thing I know for sure is that teachers are human. We have fears, we experience tragedy, we struggle, we are affected by crises and pandemics, and like everyone else, we deserve to lead lives full of peace, joy, and love. Join me and other educators as we move from logic to emotion, from the head to the heart, from thinking to feeling, and from the ego to love. This is Water for Teachers. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode six of Water for Teachers, where we're going to engage in another deep and beautiful conversation with another amazing human who teaches shame. But before we engage with Shane, I want to share something, a, a quick, you know, joyful story. After I share, I'll invite Shane to engage with me about any and everything the story might bring up for us both. So, the story I'm going to tell takes place like 11, 12 years ago. So, we're going to go back in time. So, I was an undergrad, and uh, Shane, you'll love this. <laughs> I was a science major, actually. Um, But for me, I felt like my life was lacking something. And so on a whim, I decided to apply for an internship at Disney World, of all places. And it was a long shot because there wasn't really an explicit connection between science and Disney, but I sort of wrote about in the application materials about how I needed some some time and, and space to explore and figure out what I really wanted to do with my life. And so I got the internship, which was with uh, Disney's college program. And for six months, I worked in Hollywood Studios and attended classes at Disney University, which is a real thing. Like they have like accredited classes and et cetera, as long as the university um, accepts them. And so you can study at Disney. It's kind of weird, but it's kind of cool too. And so while at Disney, as one could expect, young people were everywhere and their energy was contagious and there was, There were all these cultures and and, and languages and just different ways of being and the laughters and the smiles and the joy. It literally made my day. I looked forward to going to work. And mind you, my work actually wasn't, it wasn't anything glamorous. I worked in the kitchen. I have all these actual scars on my hands too um, from cooking and stuff. But that's what I did. I did it for six months and I studied. And so one day, I'm in class, and it was a marketing class, because at that time, I was playing around with the idea of moving from science to um, public relations and or advertising. And so I'm I'm in class, and I'm exhausted, because I had spent the night before running around Magic Kingdom with my coworkers. Because one of the perks about being a Disney cast member is we get free entry to the park 24-7. So as long as we're not clocked in and we're working, um, we can go to any of the parks, including the water parks, whenever we want. And so one of my favorite things to do was go to Magic Kingdom and watch this fireworks show called Wishes. And it's you know music and fireworks and they have some characters, but it used to it like it used to make me cry. I don't know. I just I used to feel so happy and like wow look at life. And so I would run after work from Hollywood Studios and I would take up you know the bus. And I would go to Magic Kingdom to see Wishes. And my friends, you know, I knew the best spots. We could climb up onto the rocks where no one one was, and we could watch the show. And so we had done that the night before. And so I'm in class, and I'm exhausted, and I'm not engaged at all. And then out of nowhere, Mickey Mouse, like, comes into class. And let me share, I didn't grow up as a... you know a mickey mouse fan that wasn't really my guy because i shared in another episode i'm terrified of mice and rodents like it's a it's a phobia for me like i don't like them and so mickey wasn't really my thing but seeing him come into class i got this overwhelming feeling of joy surprise fantasy and i started thinking this is really dope like what's gonna happen in the next class like who's gonna come next like who were Mickey's friends, right? Is he gonna bring them? And I don't know why they were there. I didn't really care, but I forever held on to that feeling. And I started thinking, why can't school or class always feel like this? And I was reminded of those old Disney World commercials where there were young kids in the bed and it was late at night and the parents were like, oh, you know, we're going to Disney tomorrow, right? And then the child would be in bed and they would be like cheesy, and like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And the parents would go like, what's going on in here? And the children would say, I'm too excited to sleep. And I was like, why can't school be like that place where kids are in bed and they're like, oh, I got this class tomorrow and I'm too excited, I'm too excited. And so I decided in that moment um, and trying to figure out why Mickey Mouse was there, I decided that I wanted to teach and that I wanted to recreate that feeling and that joy with young people in the classroom. And so I always say that my career in education started with joy. And as Walt Disney always said, it all started with a mouse. Um, So let's talk to Shane. Shane is a physics teacher, a Springfield, uh, Massachusetts native and doctoral candidate at Teachers College in New York City. For the past seven years, Shane has worked at three different high schools teaching a variety of subjects from astronomy and space science to computer science. His interests are in developing a community of radical progressive educators that see science education as a key to liberation. And from public schools to private corporations, the history of science education enthralls him. Shane, thank you for joining us. And I'll open with a very simple question
1: what's on your mind? Yo, Shivari, as first of all, that's like the most amazing and ent- like opening to a podcast I've ever heard. <laughs> you you speak for the people, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had to like close my eyes um and like allow myself to like really hear that. Uh, and what's on my mind right now as you're as you talk. Bro, what? Disney? You get to go there anytime? How old were you when you? Uh, I was 20. I think I was 20
0: or 19, somewhere around there. And disney it was my backyard. It was my
1: backyard. (laughs) That I mean, like, you know, I I know that we, of course, as educators, want our students to go to college and go into higher education. But now I want my kids to know that they can work at Disney and they can have all access 24 hour passes to the park. well,
0: And you're in school. Right. And so I want to sort of say to everyone listening, it's a lot of fun but it was the hardest thing I think I've ever had to do because I had 40 to 60 hour work weeks. And I think everyone knows Disney doesn't really close or slow down, okay? So it's not like you have lags, like you do a little work and then there's a break. When you're on that clock, there are people all day long who need something, who need your service. And so I was doing that, taking classes online back at home and going to Disney University. Um so I deserved a night out. Like I I yep. I deserved those you know excursions through the park.
1: I love that. That's like that balance between like yes, it was this amazing like a magical experience also like capitalism and the way that corporations work.
0: <laughs> Very much that, but the magical version.
1: Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> um when did you know you wanted to teach?
1: Yeah, that that came up for me as well. Um I I was trying to think about because whenever I'm asked that question, I always think like, oh, I should come up with this like one moment, right? This like one time. A Mickey Mouse moment. <laughs> yeah, like a Mickey Mouse moment. And I, I definitely have that. I think I think that it's it's a little bit like, I don't know, it's 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 queued up though, you know? Okay. It's like when you're when you're at a party and the DJ's playing the song, the song that they play at at 1 a.m. When everyone's at like peak party, I'm saying this because part of my quarantine self just slightly misses the little bit of extraversion of going out. Um, but like, that's what I feel like uh, led to my ability to think of myself because to think that I was gonna be a teacher, I had to actually believe that like I, Shane Coleman, could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother was an educator. So she was a paraprofessional. And like, I think I should add to this story she also was the she was the, she was the caretaker at the, um, and one of the teachers at the preschool that I went to, which was like a little corny, but also kind of cute. Right. Cause like I didn't, I didn't of course know, but like that made sense. Like my family had planned this out, like, oh, let's, let's send him to the school that, that she works at so that he's taken care of all throughout the day. Um, and then she worked at my elementary school and I never saw her as like a teacher, right? Like when you're young, you have this vision of teachers. Uh-huh. they are these like really weird people that like appear in this classroom every day. Um, you never see them outside of it. That's like the no-no. Uh, <laughs> and when you see them, they just like, they exist as this snapshot of someone. And in that snapshot, the best teachers I had, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't do this. Me, a child. Um, so I don't think it was like, then that the kind of song started to cue up for me to become a teacher. But I definitely think this one moment let me know that those people were humans. It's because I, of course, as an elementary school kid, I didn't care about my grandma working there. I was like, I want friends, I want fun. Um, I like to learn at that time. And I was in class one day goofing off. And I think it was becoming more real that I was growing up, right? It was that moment in time when you were young where you started to realize that like these people called adults like you ended up being them um, i struggled with the myth that the name that you had when you were older was the same name you had when you were younger like that doesn't make sense to me today right <laughs> are you telling me, so my grandma's name was mercedes are you telling me that she was born mercedes childhood chain didn't understand that so i had all these misconceptions about what it meant to be an adult and grown and a professional and now that i think about it the moment that i knew that I could be an educator, that I could be an adult, that I could be a person who serves others, who assists others, who attempts to at least. I was sitting in class, it was like second or third grade, goofing off, of course, because I had finished my work, I think, I thought I finished my work, which is how our students talk about (laughs) that process. And my grandmother walked by the classroom and I saw her and I was like, was that my, because you know, as a kid, you're like, your day goes by like that, right? A thousand things happen in one day. I saw this person walk by and I was like, is that my... And then she walked backwards past the door. Like slowly shuffling her feet. And I I heard the same sound of her feet shuffle that I would hear when she cooked in the kitchen when when I was home at night. And I realized I was like, yo, my grandma exists as like not only this lady that like feeds me and takes care of me and chases me around the house, but this woman that is an educator and an adult and a professional and... It it was these two worlds that clashed for me. And I think that started the train of me becoming an educator later on. I wonder if my mom sees it differently. But yeah. that th- that's like when it started for me. It was that I,
0: moment. I'm like, I love that you bring up that teachers weren't real or they didn't exist. As a child, I thought the same thing. And when I would see them in the grocery store, I'd be like, what are they doing here? Why are you grocery shopping? Like, who are you with? you're married, you have children, like it was this thing that all they did was teach. And if they weren't teaching, they were thinking about teaching. And so thank you for bringing that up. I hadn't even thought about that, but to be on a podcast like this in which we're seeking to humanize teachers, you're right. We are sort of brought up some of us to believe that teaching is their everything and their only thing. Mm-hmm. So let me switch. And so we think about teaching and I taught language. You're a science educator. Have you always loved science? And then I have a really hard question that I, you know, I ask scientists and they hate, but I'm gonna ask you anyway. Have you always loved science? And what
1: is science to you? Oh, uh, see, I love that question. Okay. okay. I, I love that. I, I I can see how people who call themselves scientists may. Um okay. but I don't call myself a scientist. I struggle with that. Okay. My principal calls me a physicist, and I'm just like,
0: excuse me?
1: <laughs> wait, wait, before you answer the question, why not? What are you then? And I guess, I guess that's what I, I, I still work on because, you know, majoring in STEM in college is a, is, is a social order, right? It's like it has this whole caste system of like what, well, what you get for your GPA. I can tell you right now, and I will say on wherever this goes, your boy was not a good STEM major. <laughs> I, don't to, I don't get to walk with the ranks of people who are like, yeah, I had a 4.3 GPA. I'm like, yo, I barely got by. Yeah. And I think that still kind of like resounds in me because w- one of the things that I want to do after I get my doctorate, knock on all the wood, um, <laughs> just, just pushing myself through it, Shamari. <laughs> you got it now. I got it. Um, one of the things I want to do is I want to go back into science uh, and that's because I have always loved science. And what I define science to be is this unbridled curiosity somewhat somewhat joy i think of curious curiosity and joy as similar because both kind of require imagination and i think of i think of the first time that i felt that unbridled you know like un hit, like i felt i felt crazy with how like maddening it seemed to me that i could that there was this thing about the world that i didn't know and i was like like you want to run that by me one more time the <laughs> sky is and it was um if if i could talk about that moment briefly uh, there was a elder in our family circle, as you know, for Black people, everybody's family. Um, so this was a friend of my grandmother's. Um, she, uh, she was friends with this married couple, Mr. and Mrs. Cox. Yeah. And Mr. Cox was the smoothest, smartest dude you had ever, ever heard. I have his um, old engineering instruments on my wall. And I think about it so much now because he was a scientist, I would think. Um, but he never talked about it like that. He just asked me questions and I was like six years old and I probably didn't care about his, but I was like, I don't know, you know, but he engaged me in the process of science in the process of asking questions and wondering what the answer was and not needing the answer. Um, I hope that answers the question.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. So let me, let me, let me, let me tell you this. Um, so I snoop on the people who are going to be on the podcast. And as I say, you know, in every episode, I don't know you all before. I know you from an entrance form that you filled out. We have a brief conversation. There are some email exchanges, but I ask for social media, you know, handles so that I can go and like dig and snoop and like, who are these humans who teach? And I was going through your social media and I saw that you were a gamer. Yes. And so I was like, I got to ask him about the PS5. Does he have it? Why or why not? Do you like it?
1: I, oh man, so many thoughts. Oh God. I, I, and I, I want to run You can tell me in one of the earlier podcasts, I remember him naming himself, uh, naming himself a Pokemon trainer. And I was like, dang, I forgot to do that. Um, <laughs> Wait, are you a Pokemon trainer? I'm a Pokemon trainer. I am a, I'm a Pokemon. Top three Pokemon go. Oh, first of all, the OG Squirtle, always. Yes. Squirtle Squad to the Day I Die, gang. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to say, close to that, like coming up right next, is going to be Bulbasaur. And people always like hate on Bulbasaur. Like, oh, it's one of the top three. It's one of the top three. Bulbasaur is the homie. If you remember the Indigo League, if you remember those early Pokemon days, Bulbasaur was the cutest Pokemon. He yeah. was the most earnest. Yeah. And just that, like, water and, like, and like leaf mixture, like having that team in duo, that was always the kind of trainer I wanted to be. Jeez, Shamar, you just tapped into like my child, like <laughs> that child chord. And now I'm thinking about the third one. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the most powerful. I think, I think Mew. I think Mew was one of the most powerful yeah. one. And I just want that. You know, if I had a squad of three only, it would be an unevolved Squirtle, unevolved um, Bulbasaur, and a Mew, just to just to Un- it oh, So you're not even trying to, wow. Oh yeah, bro. We min-max over here. <laughs> we, 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 we stat it up over here. We, we, get, we get the right berries. We get the right things. For the-
0: <laughs> so, so you, but you don't have a PS5. That's You didn't like- I don't,
1: yeah. On the whole, I'm a PlayStation kid. Through and through. My mom first um, graced me as a Christmas present. Wow, that brings me back probably 16 years ago. I was just really on top of my stuff. I was a good kid um, by, by her measurements, I think. I guess I deserved it and I got this PlayStation. I remember like I had I had gaming systems, but like this was the one, right? It was like PlayStation, it was all hyped up. Yeah. And I just, since then I just realized I was like, my mom probably worked hours to get that bread. So when I like get my next PlayStation, the PS5, it will be like her the year after it came out yeah. because I can't afford that. I'm all set. I don't need that right now. I got yeah. these, these calm graphics, the PS4. Um, and I've been loving the game so far. For it, we love it. You know, I love games, and I always
0: have. I connect games or video games to my younger sister, um, who I lost, and I talk about her in another episode. But she and I would spend most of my our childhood playing video games, and it was like the coolest thing. And we could we played race car games, fighting games. Sports games sometimes, um, simulation games, RPGs, fantasy, Pokemon, like we did all the things. We had all the systems. We would beg my mother all year. And she would say, you already have a PS2. And I was like, yeah, we want an Xbox. Oh, we want a so-and-so. So we had all these systems and we would spend all day playing games until my mother would come and we are like come eat and we'd go eat and go back to play games. And so folks are always, I guess, shocked to like learn that I'm a video gamer. I, I guess they don't connect me with that. But video games bring me joy. They bring me so much joy. Shane, what brings you joy?
1: Right now, like, it's video games a lot, too. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking about all those times where, like, what video games gave to me was that joy. Right now, actually, right before I got on a call with y'all, I was was playing Minecraft. And, (laughs) like, literally, full front, I'm 32 years old. I will never, I will never be ashamed. What I am wondering, Shmar, is what you, what you saw on my Instagram page that like, like gave me out.
0: You were going back and forth with someone who had written something at like one of the game magazines. Y'all were like, kind of like, you know, going back, arguing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. How so much of a gamer he is willing to like, he reads the game magazines mm-hmm. and writes back to the authors and engages in conversations. I was like, he's a gamer.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh- and I, that leads that leads perfectly into my answer, I think, because joy i mean joy for me, the basic description is is freedom is liberation, and the idea that I can create and exist in creation and not have to worry about someone trying to rob that from me. I think that argument I was having was about someone who was trying to like metastize and like I don't know. Why, why, would, why, why would you cri- like encro- encroach upon someone else's yeah. ability to game and enjoy their gaming? Yeah. Like, how dare so you, sir? So let's break this down like, scientifically, if we can. If we can. Can
0: you create joy? Like, how does it work for you? Does it come from within? Is it triggered or released by external things? Like, talk to me scientifically. Break down joy, how it lives in your life and in you.
1: So I, as a physics teacher, I, I kind of have to, I, I, I have a way of looking at this that is somewhat systematized. And I apologize for that front, like full front because, you know, sometimes it gets into like, oh, vibrations and, and wavelengths and like all that stuff is reality, true. And joy exists as this thing that I think of. And I, I do think it's entirely external because I, I, what I think is, I think is we're entirely external as well, mm. right? Like if I see myself... the scope of our universe of our physical universe um i follow hank green on tiktok and he was saying this um he's like we're just chemical reactions okay like each of us we're just just individual chemical reactions that that think and choose and desire and display and i I took that route of, of like perceiving myself as such as external as something that exists of my environment not necessarily like I'm I'm not the main character, right? I don't I don't traverse the game with all the options or whatever. I'm not even the player controlling the stick, right? I I feel as if I am just this the simple synchronous reason why mm-hmm. those two have an understanding of each mm-hmm. other. Like I don't think I can create joy. I don't think I can do that. I can for example, I I try to draw. Um one of my students we have a thing, she provides me every day to draw and I, I say you're attacking me. <laughs> first of all, like <laughs> personal attack, um, but she's an artist and so it's one of her mechanisms too. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I can't, I can't just like, and, it's, and it's, I think that's part of the reason why like I uh, heard you mention the idea of ego. If I'm able to deflate my ego to the, to the base level of, of who I am in my existence, mm-hmm. I become like almost infinitely joyful. I start doing and creating, I start drawing, I start singing, I start running, I start, I start doing all these things, I don't think I can create joy. I only think I can set up a system in which it can manifest, right. it, it can operate, you know? I think I can, I can harness it, but like let it go as soon as it comes. Uh-huh. Like we, we, we talk so much I think sometimes about what it means to be happy and joyful, and I don't think we talk about what happens after yes. and that balance and that exchange. Yes,
0: and I think for me, that's always been my work Like I can get to happy places sometimes, I'm like, oh, I'm really happy, there's joy here. My question is always, how do I stay here? What comes next? What was it about this moment that made me feel so much joy and so much happiness? Like the Mickey Mouse moment I think about a lot, especially as a teacher, what was it about that moment? Was it the surprise, was it the shock? Was it that I had just seen my favorite fireworks show the the night before and the combination of fireworks and Mickey, like what was it? And so to go back to your point, what comes next? What are the next steps? How do we stay here? My therapist and I are always like, Shamar, you seem really good right now. And I'm like, yes, and I want to stay here. So I'll see you next week, Thursday at 11 o'clock because I want to sort of pick apart why I'm here, why I feel like this, what is this? And I want to hold on to it for as long as I can. And so I'm thinking about that in this sort of time of collective crises. Um, and many of us would say we've been living in crisis since they were born, since day this country was sort of founded. It's always been some kind of crisis but what have you drawn on or what has been a source of joy for you during this time of collective crisis?
1: It's just such a good question. I I just, I wanted to take that moment just real quick to like, for one, like harmonize, like this current crisis. And, you know, we talk about generations and we think about impact, Mm -hmm. right? Something happened to my great-grandmother that made her or, or allowed her, something she harnessed allowed her to start a family mm-hmm. with my great-grandfather. And then they made my grandmother who grew up in a world and a generation in which some crises happened to her. Yet I know that woman in, the, in my life, 70 years later, to express joy and this time, both socially, politically, emotionally, spiritually, um, has allowed me to hone in on that echo, right? And I I think often we say history repeats itself. Okay, what parts of history repeat themselves? Who, Who decides that? My ancestors decided at some point they were gonna forward joy I've seen my mother laugh, my father laugh, I've seen my grandparents laugh. They, and I think laughter physically is this, is this thing, right? Like, I can't laugh continuously. I couldn't laugh all day. I'd probably be hurt. but then, <laughs> you, Shabar, you have like that belly laugh. I love, you know, people who can laugh, a good laugh is something I think is that, again, that unbridled, like unrestraint. I still struggle with that because like, I, when I laugh, like when I like get a good, <laughs> in. It comes from, like, all these different points. Wait, wait, um, what was that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was, like, from a video game.
1: (laughs) Um, I've been playing Kingdom Hearts, and Goofy character has been getting to me so well. Um, I've I've harnessed so much. So, for one, I bought about 18 video games throughout the course of this pandemic. Um, and, And within quarantine, gaming and getting back into gaming and kind of using it as an outlet, it's only brought me back in. And what has it really taught me? What has it really shown me? It's like, I just have, it's like, you know, I think sometimes we like overcomplicate our jobs here. Like I just have like a really simple job. Like I choose it for one, and I can choose it right now to be, I can simultaneously recognize everything that is happening around Uh me and everything that's happening inside of me. I can work to better understand that. And I can also create opportunities for joy. And they've been so they've been so like few and far in between. However, they've been there, and I can't I can't ever say that they haven't. And I I was able to, and I will be able to in the future recreate those moments because someday they will be historical. Mm-hmm. Someday that joy will echo into someone else. Maybe my students. Maybe hopefully someday if I have children, like, or my partner and I have children, of course, because I can't do that on my own. Um, there's just there's just this element of like. What I, what I put forward into the world, what I, what I want to do, even if I'm walking down the street and I say hi to someone, any opportunity I have to create a system in which joy can flourish, like, this has been one of those times. Mm-hmm. And I, I can say that that's been a lot of my processes throughout the last few months, is just thinking about that, thinking about that echo. And when I hear it, not moving into it and not doing something when I, when I feel it, but just stopping and just, just tasting it. That's right. Um, that's right. Drinking it in, if you will. That's right.
0: It sounds to me like you're talking about this sort of awareness and this ability and willingness to be fully present with what is. And so that when we feel these things, you're aware of the joy or the happiness or whatever you sort of define it as. And you're fully present with it. You actually enjoy it. You actually enjoy it. And so I wrote, where where are we? Sometime, maybe 10 months ago, I was trying to explore the hardest lesson I had to learn. Um, that was a question that I think Oprah throws out to guests. And I was like, what is the lesson that took me the longest to learn? And for me, it was being fully present. And so I had to write my way into that. Like, it was really hard for me to be with what is, I was someone who was like, oh, but the past, oh, but the future. And that was all of my ego. That was also sort of space for anxiety to enter my life. So, cause the past is like a gateway to my trauma. And then the future is like anxiety because it's not here yet. And I was like, wait the past is not anymore, and the future is not real. What you have right now, this is all that matters. This is all that exists. Be with it. Be aware of it. Be aware of the fear, if that's what it is. Be aware of it. You don't have to lean into it, but you can be aware of it. And if it's joy, you can be aware of the joy and be present with joy. And so I asked all of the the guests on this show in the entrance form, what was the lessons that took them the longest to learn? And you said, it took you a very long time to learn how to listen to yourself, your heart, your mind, your body, and your spirit. And so I want to ask well, then what clicked for you? How did you learn to listen to yourself? Was it a moment, a series of moments? Um, what clicked where you were like, wow, that's me communicating to myself, and I am now in a space to receive it?
1: Mm-hmm. Imagine that you were born with headphones in your ears and whoever was controlling the headphones just kept playing, you know, kids bop, old like 90s, like retro disco, the kind you hear like two o'clock in the morning and think you were in like a fever dream. And they keep playing this music. It's like, it's like low though. It's like a dull hum and it's always on. Sometimes it turns up, sometimes it turns down and At any point in time, of course, you start asking yourself, like, when there's no one around, when it is still, when it is quiet, you like a little, for me, it was like a little bit of anger. Like, who who is that? (laughs) I'm not playing that music. Those aren't my tunes. Those aren't my tracks. Those, Those rhythms aren't my beat. And it was simply... And my therapist and I would talk about this so much, it was simply just, it only took that one question. Who's playing the music? Mm. And I, I remember it was probably August. My birthday's in July, which is another reason why I love you the win. July 20th. You're a cancer? Yes, sir. Wow. Bring it in, bring it in. Yeah,
0: you know, yeah, keep going. Okay, well, I, was, I, was like, I was like, I want to hear I'm a, I'm a whole Cancer, like a, like a whole. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. water signs, but to go back, yeah. And all other signs, all signs yeah, are beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Um, water signs are beautiful in our way. Um, but like, yeah, it was like, I think, I think for, for as, as, a, as, a, as a water sign, as I identify as a Cancer, and I, I use that language to kind of, because you know I, that's what it is for me, it's language. Language is helpful. And um, it, it allows me to navigate these things metaphorically. And for me, anxiety and doubt and fear are like water. I feel like I'm drowning. However, we know philosophically that that feeling of drowning, it can just, it can just be undone. You can, you can, for example, just say to yourself, what am I breathing? Mm. And all of a sudden, it's water. And I can, I can go up for air. And it was in September or August that I came up for air for one of the first times in my life. And it wasn't long. It wasn't It wasn't even joyous, Shamari, to be honest with you. It simply was a moment in which I took my hand to my ear, and I took out the earphone, and I heard nothing for the first time. Mm. And I got super scared, and I put the headphones back in, and I was like, no, I'm good with this. <laughs> okay. Because that was creepier. And that that lesson i guess and the lessons that i've that i've received throughout my life i've i've had to recognize they're being sent from somewhere else mm. everything is being sent from elsewhere how many things are we and if i look around my room and i see what i've created and i see the world that i've made for myself like everything that i've created around me is just a mirror mm. and the things that often are coming from other people and you know for educators i think we all know that sound, right? It starts when we're in academics. It's the sound of the good teachers, the bad teachers, the scary teachers, the kind teachers. And it's the way that we have to act. I was solving a math problem for my kids the other day because I was about to teach them it. And I got I started panicking when I couldn't figure out the answer. And that panic was like deep set, Shamari. It was like all the way from like, yo, you don't deserve your degrees. Take them down. And like all these different mecha- and I realized I was like and I just I just took out the headphones again. Yeah. And I realized that it wasn't me. I wasn't talking. Yeah. That was someone else. The ego. The ego. Loud. The ego. Loud.
0: Yeah, and the ego, you know, lives in a constant state of never being satisfied, of never enough or too much, right? And it communicates all the time. You're not good enough or you're too much. You're too loud. You're not pretty enough. You're too big. You're too small. And I love that you've arrived at this place where you can recognize that and take the headphone That is a certain, I think, level of awareness and of being present that I think I'm still trying to learn. I am still growing in my ability to recognize that's just the ego or those are messages that we've learned from society or those are ideas and beliefs that have been created and designed with a specific purpose to get me and people like me to believe that we don't matter, but I can take the headphones out and I can say to myself, I know I matter because I'm here and because I'm breathing. I don't need any other confirmation but that. I know that I matter because I exist. And then I knew that if I weren't here or any of us weren't here, the entire world would shift. That's how I know that I matter. And so hearing you talk about it and using this metaphor of the, the headphones, it gets beautiful, but it's also really helpful. We think about being—it's helping me articulate that's what it is. It's an awareness that there are headphones in your ears giving you messages that may or may not serve you and that you can take them out. Who is, I gotta ask, who is one of your favorite people?
1: One of my favorite people? Yeah,
0: just a question that just came up for me now.
1: Who I favor most, like who I favor right now, it's my partner. She has found a way throughout the course of the time that we've known each other, that we've become close um she's found a way to i don't know how i have no idea how um but she's found a way to attempt to try to understand me as a person and i've i've hoped that i've done the same for her the fave like the the idea of like favoring is challenging to me because i feel as if i'm betraying everyone else when mm-hmm. i say that and then i remember that it's it's not about that like when you asked that question i I thought you were asking i heard you asking my ego heard you say who's your favorite student Mm. and like i was like "Mm, like i don't want to go with that i don't have one because i do there is someone i favor as my student right now um and yeah my partner's that person in my life she 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 deserves like that that honor and yeah yeah
0: and you know, I, I ask people all the time, like, who do you love and who, you know, these kinds of questions. And many of them have reactions that you've had. And I've had like, oh my gosh, no, there are so many. I don't want to choose. I don't want someone to feel left out. And I always say, we don't have to move as if there isn't enough for all of us. Right. Yeah. Love and and, and, favor and, and peace and joy. There's enough for all of us. There's enough. There is, it's who is one of your favorite people. Mm-hmm. You could have millions. There are what, seven point something, you know, what, billion people? You could have that many. Um, Thank you for that. So the next few questions I wanna ask, I ask to every guest on the show, and then the final question um, I'm gonna just ask you as we think about the theme of today and think about joy. Um, As a human who teaches, what do you wish others knew about you and your work?
1: Mm. I'm ready for this one. (laughs) This is the one that I needed no breath. I wish that people knew that what I have in mind is far more easy than what we're doing right now. I wish that people knew that the key, actually, no, there's there's no need for the idea of the key. There's no door. It's just, it's just a path. And it may not look like a pathway right now. It may not seem real. It may not seem tangible to walk on this, this place that looks far too soft and yet far too challenging to navigate. However, it is just right there. It is just beyond our egos. It is just one step in a direction that we haven't, we haven't taken yet. And that's okay. And I just wish that folks and, and I say folks, I mean me as well, right? Because I'm just using them as a mirror to talk about the things that I'm most afraid of. Like, I am afraid too. I'm scared too of what it will look like when we say no When we say no to these systems, to these structures, to these age old mechanisms of comfort that we have hoped for so long have kept us in the same place and realized that we never wanted to be in the same place in the first place. We're not meant to be. I imagine a world, full sentence, that's it. That's my power. I can imagine a world. And the thing that has been robbed from us most is the ability to imagine. Uh-huh. We haven't been, ele- microaggressions steer our day. We just have to figure out which one we don't want to bump into at each individual point. Uh-huh. And as, a, as an educator, we just, we know imagination is the key to what we do. We know that if we didn't have it, it would be so challenging to walk into that classroom every day or to open up our laptops every day for the current situation that we're in. At the same time, we still do it. We can apply that to something a little bit bigger and not bigger like 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 bigger than us bigger than me it's just big how about that it's just a big idea and i know it's scary because it's scary for me but it's possible
0: yeah what would you say or offer to other
1: educators right now capture everything and when i say capture everything i think people are automatically going to say i'll record uh uh, transcribe or, um, or or interview or, or, or locate or and I say no 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 capturing I don't think requires a lot of those different things capturing and and documenting and and, and and storytelling that's all we have to do we don't have a big job right now we just have to remember this we have to remember this and who who is important because we know that the systems will, will maintain, but we need to be kind of—we had to kind of recognize who were the players, who played the game, and how did it come out? Did I play the game? Was I one of the players? Mm-hmm. And it's okay if I was or wasn't. It doesn't—that's all—that is inconsequential to our simple need, my simple need, to just capture it all and to not forget about it. You see those those TikTok videos where it's like twenty years from now, and, and the kid mentions what happened in twenty twenty, and it's like oh, those. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna speak about it. I'm gonna speak about it in 2021 and 2022.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So this podcast is called Water for Teachers and we now know we're both water signs. Water for me is a really important thing. And I call it a thing because it's so many things in my life, but it reminds me to relax, to breathe, to nourish my body, to reflect, to heal. Um, But I wanna ask you, what is your water?
1: Home. And again, when I say home, what comes to mind, the ego thinks about a bed, like a place to sleep, a, a fridge to eat from. And home has become so much more than that for me um, because now we work from home and some people are recharacterizing that as saying like, no, our jobs have just infiltrated our workplaces, like our home places, right? They have just infiltrated and found a way. Capitalism is all up my crib. <laughs> eating the food out of my fridge yeah. and I've had to like you know navigate that of course I think everyone has to in their own way and I, I think what I found the most is that when there is nothing to do and there is no one to please who am I mm-hmm. and that is home Mm-hmm. And that is the warmest place I could ever exist. That is the most satisfying place. Once, once everyone around me is healed and once I am healed and I envision and imagine a world in which this is possible in my lifetime, I will then be home and I have to know what that feels like now. I have to taste it now and try it on. Yeah. And I have to like, yeah. you know, people, I, I have to, I struggle to drink water, you know, I struggle to give myself that little bit of home, but every day. I just give myself a little bit more.
0: That's right, that's right. Our final question, where do you find joy in teaching?
1: They still have their imaginations. And those imaginations caused them to say wild things, to do wild things, to be in wild places, and to scare us as adults. But when my grandmother walked backwards through that doorway, when I was eight years old, and like immediately the world became a cartoon. And I realized that even though I was in school trying to make myself and my family proud, I didn't need all that to make this, this person that literally saw this, this thing, this, this, this kid, this, cre- this creature that's running around causing all this mayhem. And she cared at that moment in time, not about her job, not about me being in school. She cared about making me laugh. Uh, and she walked backwards. She did a little moonwalk and she shuffled backwards. She was, she was up, getting up in her age, Tamari. She found a way to do that. And she didn't make a lot of jokes. She wasn't a very funny woman to me. But when she yeah. did that, she broke that veil. And I, I can allow myself to know from that point forward that when we look at our young people, when we hear them, when we hear their voices, because we don't see them anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Something is happening right now. We all know what's it, what it is. And if we can give them anything, it's just a space to keep that one thing that we know the world doesn't want them to have. It's is an imagination, the silliest, goofiest form. Mm-hmm. The ability to laugh from the belly to the throat.
0: Yeah, thank you. For those of you at home listening, as always, I would love to invite you to join this conversation. And so I want you to reflect on the question I just asked Shane. Where do you find joy in your teaching? And if you're feeling up to it, share your reflections and thoughts with us. I would love, we would love to engage with you and your humanity. You can share your responses on Twitter using the hashtag Water Teachers or tag us using our Twitter handle at Water That's the number four. But when you identify this place that you find the, the joy in your teaching, wherever it is, whatever it is, hold on to it. Hold on to it. Thank you, Shane, and a heartfelt thanks to all of you for listening. Until next time, in peace and love and joy. Bye.
1: Water for Teachers is a production of the Heinemann Podcast and
0: Heinemann Publishing. Today's show was created by Shamari Reed. It was produced and edited by Steph George and Ashley Montgomery. Creative direction from Lauren Audette and Toby Anteo. Logo design by Courtney Enos. The Heinemann Podcast executive producer is Brett Whitmarsh.